You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rival. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some of the most passionate, hardworking, and limitless thinkers on this planet who have a story to share, a brand that inspires, or a fire inside of them to live life on their own terms. The intention behind each episode is simple, and that's to include you in these conversations so that you can learn, apply, and grow in your own life and business. If I can share one quick secret with you before we begin, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. Tuning into Visionary Life will help you dust off the limiting beliefs you carry around so that you can begin to create your own most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited to introduce you to Andrea Sager, a small business attorney shaking up the legal industry with a membership that provides all access to her firm. As a serial entrepreneur, Andrea is uniquely positioned to provide quality legal services to today's thriving entrepreneurs. She started her first business while in law school, so she knows firsthand the hustle of a solopreneur. Andrea not only aims to provide high-quality legal counsel, but to also be the lifelong business partner many entrepreneurs need. Brand protection is Andrea's passion, and as a brand protection lawyer, your business will be thoroughly protected with her services. She she prides herself on her remote practice, not just because working in your PJs is cool, and it is, and also because her nationwide clients receive the same high-quality work without the high price. With nearly all flat fees, you will never receive a surprise legal bill. How awesome is that? So I'm going to share more on my conversation with Andrea in a moment, but first I thought I'd give you a quick update. So this weekend I had the chance to attend the Archangel Summit, which is the largest gathering of visionary leaders and entrepreneurs who want to change the world. I have been wanting to attend this conference for many years, actually, and this is the first year that I pulled the trigger and said, I am going. They've had speakers in the past like Gary Vaynerchuk, and I knew that this year's lineup was Seth Godin, Elizabeth Gilbert from Eat, Pray, Love, you might know her, Todd Herman, who is a personal favorite high-performance coach of mine, Um, and being that this event was held downtown Toronto, I knew that I had no reason not to go. But there was some voices in my head that almost derailed me from going. And so I want to share this quickly with you because I think that there's a lot of lessons to draw from what I experienced in buying this $500 event ticket by myself. So for whatever reason, I felt this, I don't know, this hesitation or this resistance to buy my Archangel ticket, not only because of the price, and it wasn't even that that mattered, but because I knew I'd be going alone. I had asked a few people and most of my friends or family said they were busy or they weren't interested or they didn't want to spend the money. And I just had this fear of of going to the conference by myself and not having anyone to share it with. And these are the excuses that were going on inside my head. And at a certain point, I just stopped myself and I said, no, I'm going and I'm going alone. And the moment I made that decision and I just purchased the ticket and I said, I'm not waiting for anyone else. I'm not willing to to go at the pace of others. That is not how I'm going to build my business or build um, the growth that I want in my life. And so that day that I bought my Archangel ticket back in July, I just stopped allowing the outside forces to push me away from what I knew I needed to do. And I just feel like many of you can probably relate to this, letting those inner voices or external voices stop you from doing what you know you want to do. Perhaps you want to quit your job, but you call your mom and she says, don't do it. You got to keep for the benefits. 
Or maybe you want to go to a really cool local networking event and you're going to go with a friend, but then that friend bails on you and you just say, okay, well, I'm bailing too. Or maybe you want to move, move homes, move to a new city, but acquaintance number 94 tells you that, no, it's too expensive in that new city and you should probably just stay where you're at. You've got it pretty good. And it's these constant external factors that stop us from chasing our dreams. In my case, the fear of going alone and of people saying their own excuses of why they couldn't attend, that derailed me almost from going to this conference that I knew would change my life, knew would change my business. And we're just so concerned with what others think and what others do and what others say and how fast they're moving and It makes no sense to me why we are so invested in other people and the rate that they're moving at when our life is our own, right? If you want to run, then you need to run. If you want to sprint, you need to sprint. And if you have a fire burning inside of you, you need to let it burn, not let people suppress it. And we all need to be a little more unapologetic about finding what we actually want in this lifetime, And the people who don't match that, who don't have a similar vision, leave them. (laughs) They'll catch up or they'll see your inner passion and they might join you one day. And if not today, that's okay. Let it go. Go do your thing anyway. Don't let anyone stop you. And so I just thought I would share this. And if nobody else has given it to you lately, I want to give you permission to go to that conference alone to take yourself on a business trip or a personal development trip by yourself, or to take yourself out to a nice dinner and grab an expensive glass of wine because you deserve it, or to choose a a membership to a fitness studio that costs you a lot of money because it's for your best health and it's for the betterment of you, or to spend your money on self-care or green beauty or really good quality food and not feel guilty or not wait for other people to come around to your beliefs. I give you permission to go for it. And I just, I, I, my whole motto behind visionary life is to help people tune into what they actually want out of this lifetime and to listen to that inner voice more than they listen to the outside noise of the world. So it's your life. It's our life. And we've only got this one, right? So tap into that visionary side of you and and listen to those gut hits. Before you hear more about Andrea, I want to share a quick word from our sponsor of today's show. So does the word Chia Pets sound familiar? No? Well, if you don't know what Chia Pets are, they were those adorable animal-shaped figurines that grew this green, luscious coat within a couple weeks. And I bet you did not know that the seeds used in these figurines are actually chia seeds. And I love chia seeds. So chia seeds are high in fiber, protein, antioxidants, minerals, as well as omega-3. So they're basically a superfood. Well, they are. And I use chia seeds in my smoothies. Sometimes I use them in baking. I'll use them as an egg replacement. I did that today, actually, baking a pumpkin zucchini loaf. And I just find them super versatile. So if you don't already have a big jar full of chia seeds in your freezer or kitchen like I do, get to your closest healthy planet. Healthy Planet is your one-stop shop for all your health needs, your supplements, and your green cleaning. And with over 25 locations in Ontario, you can shop all these amazing amazing products or you can grab access to anything online if you don't have a store near you. So head to healthyplanetcanada.com and you can actually use the code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save 10% on any online order that's a minimum of $49. So again, use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save 10% off any online order, minimum of $49. 
Back to Andrea. So Andrea is a serial entrepreneur that left a big law firm after realizing her true passion was assisting small business owners. While in law school, she started her first business, a woman's clothing boutique. And after she sold that store, she began her career as a lawyer, and this ultimately led her to start Andrea Sager Law, a virtual law firm. In this episode, we chat about why she never felt quite right working in a law firm for someone else, what prompted her to quit and launch her business and take that leap of faith, why she created a membership service like this for business owners. It's very revolutionary. We talk about what business owners need to know in protecting and trademarking their work and so much more. We're going to dive right into it in this conversation. You're going to love it. So let's welcome Andrea to the show. All right. So Andrea, welcome to the Visionary Life podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today about all things legal and how you started your business and really how you got to where you are today. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, no, thank you. I'm super pumped about this. So let's dive in with some rapid fire questions. This is generally how I like to warm up all my guests, although I know you've done a few podcasts before, so this isn't your first rodeo. But first things first, what is one thing you do every single day that's non-negotiable? Like you have to do it. Oh, my one non-negotiable. Um, gosh, this is supposed to be rapid fire my goodness <laughs> i'll throw you a curveball um, right at the beginning yeah um it's gonna sound so lame but i always cuddle my dog <laughs> oh i love that um, yeah that's that is totally like my one thing because he he is my buddy and we definitely always cuddle every single day at least for a little bit mm. I can absolutely relate to that as a dog owner as well. Is there a <laughs> business skill that you're currently working on improving? A business, yes, growing a team. I think it's a, I think it truly is a skill, and I don't think you are ever done improving growing a team. Mm, very true. Yeah. When you have to shift from being a solopreneur to bringing other people into your vision, I think that is a really challenging growth milestone. <laughs> it is. Do you remember what your first ever job was? Yes. <laughs> I used to work at Michael's Arts and Crafts. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite thing to do on a day off? A day off. Okay, no work. So, no work. I pretty much hang out with my kids. So I have a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, and a, a five-month-old. So usually on the weekends, we take the kids to a, either a jump park or um, like an indoor play place somewhere to just let my two-year-old run wild. I love it. That's awesome. So you're obviously quite busy too with two kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aww. All right. Well, I think we should zoom the lens back a little bit and kind of get to know what you were up to in the years before launching your online legal business. So maybe give us a snapshot of what type of career path were you on? So I was definitely on a set career path. I so I went to law school and I scored a big firm job, you know, the highly coveted, like big firm job everybody wants to have before they graduate. I had that and I was like, hell yeah, I'm set for life. Like, this is wonderful. I'm going to be so rich and blah, 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 blah. And I quickly found out that was not the case. Mm -hmm. um, I also started my first business in law school. So that may have spoiled me and ruined me from having, an, I guess, a quote-unquote normal job. I had an online clothing boutique, and that grew really quickly, and I opened a brick-and-mortar store. So I had that. So that started during law school, and I grew it to the store during law school. And then once I started practicing law, I, I, I wanted – basically the whole plan was to grow the business to sell it once I started – practicing law and I did that um which was pretty cool that I 
you know, did what I said I wanted to do with that. Um, and I, but I, I was kind of in the position where it's like, gosh, I am like way in over my head doing this big firm job and managing, not really managing the store, but still owning the store. Um, so I sold the store, um, got rid of the store and I was practicing law, but at the same time, I was just not happy at the firm. I didn't like being in an office all day. I was just, you know, and, and, and it sounds so awful because I was spoiled at that firm. Like, you know, it was the, you know, humongous high rise. It was the nicest office in Cincinnati where I was. Um, out of my office, I could watch a baseball game. The Cincinnati Reds were right across the street, and I could watch a baseball game from my office. But it just was not the life for me. I remember just sitting there in the office some days watching, like, all the old men walk by, and I'm like, I do not want to sit here every day for the next 45 years of my life. Like, that just sounds awful to me. So, And, and I felt so bad because my husband – he he worked and supported the family while I was in law school. And we had our first kid while I was in my last year of law school. So the plan was he would stay home once I started working and kind of figure out what he wanted to do because he was an active duty army officer and he was always traveling. So he knew that's not what he wanted for his future. So we kind of made a deal like, okay, just stick it out while I'm in law school. And then once I start working, you can stay home with our son and kind of figure out what you want to do. And then we can go from there. Well, very quickly, I found out that I was not happy at my job. And I felt really bad because my husband stuck it out while I was in law school. And I was like, I'm not sticking this out. Like, I'm not happy. I'm way too young and not be happy. So we, we stuck it out for seven months. That's about as long as I lasted. And then we knew that neither one of us were happy where we were. We didn't have family within, I mean, the closest family was two hours away. And we we wanted to be closer to at least, you know, one side of our family. And so we sat down. It was literally the week after Easter in 2018. It was kind of the beginning of April. And we both said, okay, we're not happy. What are we going to do about it? And most people just, they're not happy and they'll just, you know, complain about not being happy and not really do anything about it. And my family is in Houston. So we decided, okay, we're going to move to Houston, be close to family. And it was the beginning of April and we set a date of June 1st. We said, okay, June 1st, we're going to be back in Houston. And we made it back to Houston Memorial Day weekend, which happened to be a week before June 1st. So we're really, we're, we're back in Houston We've been extremely happy ever since. Wow. Okay. So much to pick (laughs) apart in that story. First of all, I love the fact that you both set that date because I feel like sometimes we can talk with our partners or whoever we're making a big decision with and without attaching a date to it, you could stay in your current situation forever because you don't have that timeline of like, we're striving towards moving by whatever, May 1st, June well, that's 1st. Exactly, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because we had said months before, okay, we're not happy. We're going to do something about it. And my husband, that it was an, I, I remember this so vividly. We were sitting down to dinner. Our son was already in bed. And, he, you know, we were just like, oh, we're not happy. Like, we say we're going to move. And he's like, okay, we say we're going to move, but we haven't done anything about it yet. Yeah. And so... It was right then, like, okay, let's let's do something. So our house wasn't even for sale. We hadn't even, like, I mean, we thought about putting our house for sale, but we hadn't done it. We thought a few improvements we wanted to make. So we got, you know, we got to work. We got the house fixed up, sold it. And it was so crazy about the house, actually, because we put it for sale. And we luckily had somebody who came and paid cash for it. Wow. They, um... Yeah, they were, they were in a similar situation. They wanted to get back to family, and he was like a, I don't know, he owned some tech company out in California, and they wanted to move back to Cincinnati to be closer to the family. And um, being an entrepreneur, they also, you know, have a hard time getting, you know, home loans. So he was like, I'm just paying cash to this house. Um, so we were out of our house within like two weeks. 
Wow, that's quick. Yeah, maybe it was a sign <laughs> that it was meant to be, though. <laughs> no, that that's exactly how we felt because at first we're like, oh, I hope we can, you know, I hope that we're making the right decision. But then every, literally everything just fell in the place, and we both were just like, okay, you know, we're doing the right thing. That's crazy. So before we kind of move on, I just want to go back to you saying you were sitting in your law office job, just looking around thinking, this is not where I see myself for the next 30 or 40 years. And truth be told, I hear that from our listeners all the time. They say, you know what, I just, I'm not happy where I am. And I know I'm going to leave eventually. This is not my destiny. I'm not using my strengths and my skills. But they never really get that confidence or courage to pull the trigger and they feel the unhappiness, but maybe they're not even aware of just how much it's impacting their life. So what was it about your level of unhappiness or your certainty that made you say, I'm done? Like, I'm actually not going to work here anymore because it's hard to trust that inner voice. Um, Well, to be quite frank, I was looking for jobs. So I wasn't for sure that I was going to start my own firm. I was like, okay, I'm not happy. We want to move back to Houston. And then um, I kind of had this defining moment where I knew for sure that I was not going to stay at that firm. Uh, With the clothing business that I had, I had, you know, this large network of other boutique owners and they would constantly reach out to me for work and they would, They always wanted help with trademarks and copyrights, which is kind of how I fell into it. Um, But that's that's where it all happened was I had this one. Most people would contact me and I'd be like, yeah, I can help you, but these are the rates. And it would just be too outrageous. But finally, I had one client or one business owner who's like, you know what? I don't care how much it is. I just need to get this trademark done. You You know, I have to have this. And I was like, okay. So we have to go through this whole onboarding process with that one firm. And... At the, at the whole process, it's kind of like a formality where a partner in the office has to approve the client. Basically, just look at everything and say, okay, we're good to go. Yeah. Well, the partner came to me and was like, this is a low-quality client. Like, we don't want them, but you, like, already told them they could be a client, blah, 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 so we'll take them. But for next time, just know that they're not a high-quality client. And it was because they were not a million or billion-dollar business. This client they were multi-six figures had a great boutique somebody who i looked up to when i had my own boutique so i was like how like they're paying the rates like what is it i in my head i was just like i don't see the, the issue like they're paying the rates what like what's the problem so at that moment i was just like okay i know like i know there's a gap here for quality legal services for small businesses and at the same time like I don't want to be at this firm so I was planning my exit that whole time and between this time period was kind of that's when we kind of made the decision to sell our house so we actually put our house for sale and then I think at the, I think on a Monday like one week we put the house for sale and then the next week I actually got fired um, so that's kind of where it was all like, oh my gosh, like this is a sign. Like this is a sign that we're doing everything correctly, which most people when they get fired, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? But it was kind of like a, it was a, definitely a load off my shoulders for sure. Um, cause I was kind of hesitant because I, you know, I had this multi, the six figure job and I was going to leave it looking for another job and then. I still was thinking about starting my own firm. And then once I got fired, they came into my office and I I kid you not, like I had to do everything possible to not show excitement on my face. (laughs) 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 Because I did, I did do a severance package and, um, it was from that severance package where I was like, okay, like this is a sign where I know I need to start my own firm. Like this will be enough to get us through a few months to, you know, move, get started to grow the firm and yada, yada, yada. And I mean, they say the rest is history. Like that, um, it all just fell into place. And that's, I mean, that's how we knew. Like we knew, okay, we have to start making a change. And we knew that we were making the right change because everything just one after another just all fell into place. 
Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I have a similar story to you about being fired. And like, really, it is the biggest blessing in disguise when you can turn it into a positive by starting your own business. And it gives you the space (laughs) you need to to feel like, okay, now is the time. So I always say to people who in the first week or two, it's okay to sulk. But in the end, it is such a great opportunity to make a change or a pivot. And whether you choose to start your own business or not, it's just a great opportunity for a fresh start. So that's pretty fun that you have that same story. So so you (laughs) moved to Houston, like, is your business just do you start it right away? Are you still mulling over the idea of whether you can do this on your own or not? Walk us through some of those first steps in actually bringing this business to life. Yeah. So we, um, okay. So our house was for sale and then that night, so I got fired on a Friday, literally that night I went home and I was in a couple of, um, you know, Facebook groups with other um, business owners and one in particular with the boutique owners. And I told them, I was like, okay, it's official. Like I've launched my firm, which I hadn't, I mean, I had my logo ready for my firm and everything, but I hadn't launched. And I, that night I went home and I posted and immediately, I mean, I had clients that night. So I was very, very fortunate having that full network. Um, we were still outside, right, you know, living right there in Cincinnati. We were, I mean, we were packing up as I'm like trying to, you know, work everything out with these clients, onboard them to my firm. So it was a crazy, I would say it was a crazy, like almost a whole month that it was craziness because we were packing the house, moving, still trying to like bring in income with the firm. And we moved to Houston and we had to live with my parents for a a month, which wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it wasn't fun. (laughs) There was a lot of people (laughs) in one house, that's for sure. Um, Luckily, we found a house right away uh, once we got down here. But yeah, I was very, very fortunate to have that whole network of business owners the moment I launched my firm. And at the same time, I, I served their need. Being at the firm, I, you know, they always contacted me for help with trademarks and copyright. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my firm. So I knew, I knew what the need was and I, I gave it to them in a way that was very, very cost efficient and very helpful to them. Mm-hmm. So for someone who has never heard of your business before or who hasn't already visited your website, could you just give us a brief elevator pitch of kind of what you do? Yeah. So I, I'm a small business attorney with a focus on trademarks and copyrights. And I focus on intellectual property because a lot of businesses today, they are mainly online and whether they know it or not, most of their, I mean, their most valuable asset is intellectual property. You, even if you have an, a, a clothing store, you have inventory, but that's not your most valuable asset. Your most valuable asset is your brand name. It's your content. It is what you are providing that is not physical. That's your asset, and you have to protect it because it's all you have. You know, even if you have a clothing boutique and you have all this clothing, tomorrow it's yours. If your inventory sets on fire, you're still going to have a valuable brand because of who you are as a brand. Hmm. So the inventory at the end of the day means nothing. What means something is your brand name, how you're branding yourself, your content. So because that's your most valuable asset, it has to be protected. Okay, this is so fascinating. And again, like I mentioned to you before we started recording, we have a lot of startup entrepreneurs, and many of them are online entrepreneurs, right? They might have a blog, or they sell online courses, or workshops, or ebooks, um, online services. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I know for certain that a lot of people are not working with small business attorneys to protect um, their intellectual property. So, what do we need to know? Know, or what are some of the first things that we should be thinking about as business owners in order to properly protect our online brands? Yeah. So first thing, uh, hands, 
hands down, without a doubt, the most important thing is your brand name. Okay. Because that's the first thing people see. And in order to ensure that you are not infringing on someone else's name, you you have to run an official trademark search. It's okay. a comprehensive search, and it provides you with you know, a great peace of mind that you're not infringing on anyone else. Is that free? Brand name. No, it, it is not free. Um, but a lot of people come to me and they think um, they have to file for a trademark. Like, look, I just can't afford it. Yeah. And, but that's, that's okay. Like, I totally understand. I have been there. But you still need the peace of mind knowing that you're not launching your brand while infringing on someone else. Mm-hmm. In the search, that's what it provides is peace of mind knowing that you're not infringing on someone else. Because even if you're at the point where you're not ready to file a trademark, you don't know what's going to happen with your brand. You don't know if it's going to blow up overnight. So instead of what, you know, Moving forward with a brand name that is infringing on someone else and blowing up overnight and then having to change your name, once you have become this great big brand, you need to have the peace of mind from the beginning because I've seen it all too often where people, they come to me and they're like, look, I got this piece in the fifth letter. I just launched my business. I thought I, you know, I searched Google. I searched Instagram, Facebook. There was nothing there. And then I forget the season the fifth letter. And it's because people think infringement only occurs when it's the same exact name. And that's not the case. Trademark infringement occurs when a likelihood of confusion is present and confusion amongst consumers. So you have to avoid the likelihood that confusion will occur with your consumers shopping with another business thinking that it's yours or vice versa. So... Even though you may have searched Google, you may have searched social media, there can still be another business out there with a similar name that is likely to cause confusion. So that's why you have to run a comprehensive search. I can't tell you how many people tell me, oh, I ran the search. I, you know, I, I searched the trademark database and there's nothing there. It's like, great. Like, that's a good starting place. But you still don't know if that's enough. Mm, so interesting. I remember, have you heard of the company Four Sigmatic? They make like mushroom coffees and all these different blends. But I remember at one point they were already really large um, in terms of company size and they changed their brand name from Four Sigma to Four Sigmatic. And I heard that it was some sort of issue with confusion and trademarks. So I'm sure that that ended up being a problem for them. So it's just good to know too. So beyond just a brand name though, what if we create a course with a different title and then we launch an ebook with a different title do we need to be trademarking those as well or should it just be our main brand name so great question so the goal with trademarks it's not it's not an end game the whole goal with trademarks is to build a wall we want to build a wall that's so high that no one outside of your business can get over that wall and basically infringe on your business. And with each trademark that you're filing, you're laying down a brick. So, you know, each trademark is a new brick. So, you know, eventually you'll have so many trademarks that nobody can infringe on your business. And typically businesses start with the big three, which is your brand name, your logo, and your slogan. Hmm. Trademarks are pretty much anything that identifies your brand. So and if you have a course, that the name of the course can be protected with a trademark. Now, ebooks, they books and ebooks, they aren't necessarily trade eligible for trademark protection because it's just the name of a product. It's not necessarily, you know, it doesn't necessarily identify your brand. However, a lot of people do create a book or an ebook and then turn that into their brand. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then it can be protected with a trademark. Okay. Other things that can be protected, you know, podcast names, those are definitely protected with trademarks. Um, different sounds, like the ESPN sound, that's definitely protected with trademark. Different colors, um, scents. There's candle scents that are protected with trademarks. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, pretty much if it identifies your brand, then it can, it can yep. probably be protected with a trademark. Okay, yeah, such good information. Um, and then what would be the difference between something we would need to copyright? Obviously, a lot of online content creators and coaches and consultants, they are putting out tons of information on the internet or um, different products that contain a lot of the knowledge that came from their head and now it's available to people all over the world. So what do we need to know in that case about copywriting the things that we are putting online? Yeah, so copyrights equal your content. So that's all of your blog posts, your website content, course content, podcast content, videos, photos, all of that is content and it's protected with a copyright. Now, you do have copyright protection the moment you publish the work. So the moment it is available to the public, then it is protected with a copyright. However, so you don't need a registration. However, you do need a registration if you ever want to sue someone for copyright infringement. And if you're thinking, oh, I don't want to sue anybody, like this costs too much money, well, First of all, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Second of all, once you're growing your business and you see somebody that was stolen your photos, you know, copied your content, then your things get personal then, and you do consider suing someone. Um, and with that, you still so you have to have the registration when you sue it, in order to sue someone for copyright infringement. Then you also want to have the registration as soon as possible because. If you have your registration within three months of publication of the work or before infringement has occurred, then you're eligible for what's called statutory damages. And statutory damages are, I, I don't want to get too much into them, but basically they're a humongous bargaining chip. So if you find someone that is infringing on your work, you you know, you send a cease and desist letter and you you know demand, you know, then stop using your work and then you ask for a settlement and if they don't want to pay a settlement then of course you threaten a lawsuit and if they are smart and have a lawyer the lawyer is going to see that you're eligible for statutory damages and they're going to say look dude you need to settle this as soon as possible because with statutory damages the long story short you have kind of an easier lawsuit as far as proving damages and what you're owed and the other party has to pay your attorney fees. Okay, interesting. So I, you know, I'm going to be honest, I get lost a lot in this legal stuff, like it feels so overwhelming. And I think for a lot of creative and online entrepreneurs, this is just the case. And that's why we need to work with someone like you, who actually understands not only us, but understands the legal things that we need to be looking out for. So for someone listening to this podcast, who's all of a sudden going, oh my gosh, I've never even thought about talking to an attorney or never even thought about looking into copyrights and trademarks, but they know they need to. Like, what is the best way for someone to get started working with your business? And like, what do they do? What's the first step? Yeah, so I have created a new program that really makes it extremely affordable for small businesses to basically have all access to an attorney because I've worked with small businesses exclusively and I, I know what the needs are and I know what, so I know what they need and I know what they don't need. Um, so with that, I have created a new membership. It's called the Legalpreneur Membership and it provides all access. And this came about because I would have clients who would reach out to me just for a trademark and they would, you know, I charge, I don't charge hourly for, I charge hourly for very few things. Most of it's just flat fees okay. and trademarks are flat fees. And with most attorneys, you pay a retainer and they'll just, you know, for all the work that they do for you, they'll just bill against the retainer. And even an email, if you send them an email, they will charge you to read the email, think about the email and then <laughs> write a response to that email. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, so if they're charging you $350 an hour, you know, if you send them an email that requires them 10 minutes to, you know, send a response, that doesn't include reading the email, thinking about the email. So, you know, just a simple email could charge, you know, it could cost you $350. So I created this program to basically 
alleviate the hourly billing because I had the trademark clients who would, you know, send me simple questions. And since I don't charge hourly, it's just kind of like, how do I get compensated for this? But at the same time, I don't want to charge an arm and a leg because it's a simple email most of the time. And the membership came about. So all emails are included. You pay one fee and you get unlimited access through email. I don't you know, keep track of how many emails. I don't keep track of how long it takes me to read or respond to the email. You get unlimited email access and we provide a 24-hour response rate. Then you get up to 60 minutes in phone calls every single month. And then you get 30 pages of document review every single month. So that's reviewing your terms and conditions, your privacy policy, any contracts that you have within your business, a service contract, any, anything really. Um, and then you get 15% off of any other services that you may need. So copyrights, trademarks, um, whether you need to send a cease and assist letter. And then once you've been a member for three months, you get a free IP audit. And that's where we go into your business and tell you exactly what can be protected with a trademark or a copyright, basically closing all the loopholes within your business. And then at six months, you get a free trademark search. And that's the search that's required of my clients when they want to get a trademark. Um, I basically don't work with clients if they don't want to run a search because it's, it's just incredibly important going into the trademark process. And then after you've been a member for 12 months, you get, a, you get three trademark applications half off. So instead of the 15% discount, you're getting 50% off. And if you pay in full for the year, you get one month for free, and then you get those three, six, and 12-month benefits up front. You don't have to wait. And then the, so the fee is $127 a month or $13.97 for the year. Gotcha. Yeah, I think this is so unique and cool. And one of the reasons why I wanted to feature you on the Visionary Life podcast is because I've never seen this before. And maybe it's that I'm not looking for it. But is this kind of a newer model in terms of accessing an attorney? Or have you seen many others also um, providing this type of service in the membership model like you are? So I haven't. The, the closest thing is like, uh, legal shield. Um, people ask me, Oh, is this like legal shield? And I mean, I guess it is because it's a, you know, a fee every single month, but with legal shield, they are not a law firm. They are a network marketing company just getting sales. And I'm a law firm and I am keeping the work within my firm with legal shield. You sign up with them and you pay them. And then they assign you to a firm across the country so with my with my program, you are working with me and my firm and my team. Like I'm not outsourcing the work to other people. Okay. Okay. And so in terms of who your services are perfect for, who is that? So entrepreneurs, 100%. Yep. Um, there's really, and then I guess small businesses. So if you're, um, you know, if you're somebody who, ha if you're a business who has, you know, 50 employees or, you know, a lot of employees, it's probably isn't for you because you have much, you know, bigger needs than what I'm able to provide. Awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. So now I saw recently that you went to the podcast movement conference, and I'm assuming that was yeah. an investment you made in order to get out and network and market your services, right? Yeah. So there was actually a lot of attorneys there, but none of them had an exhibitor booth. And that's what I wanted to do was to get out in front of people and really be in front of them as an attorney, have a booth, you know, set the authority that I'm here, I'm available. Um, people loved the fact that there was an attorney there and the fact that I was actually there. So a lot of times you may see firms set up here or there at different events, but they have just like their marketing team there. Yeah. Um, I love being the face of my firm. I love getting out there and connecting with people, um, really being able to answer questions. So I, you'll find that I'm pretty much an open book and I probably give out way too much information when people ask. Um, but I, I love what I love doing. I love answering questions. I actually had a fireside chat at podcast movement and 
it was pretty much 45 minutes of people just firing questions at me. And I, you know, fired an answer right back and people absolutely loved it. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? I I think you could look at it. You give out so much free information and maybe you're overstepping, but I really love when people are of value and they give away a lot because it helps us build a relationship with you and know, like, and trust you a lot faster. So I never really know, is there a fine line between sharing too much or not enough? But I think the more you can provide, the more people end up um, just really getting to know you and eventually working with you. So I think that's great. Um, How did you know? Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, you know, a lot of attorneys, they try to um, withhold a lot of information because they think, oh, well, if I give them so much information, they're just going to try to do it themselves. And yes, that is the case. But most of the time when they try to do it themselves, they end up coming right back to me because they're Mm -hmm. like, I am just in way over my head. Yep. In the end, we still always want to hire the expert if possible. So that's very true. Um, I'm wondering, because I know for myself, I've invested in trade show booths and conferences as well, and I really see the value in them. But oftentimes when I'm working with clients, they're really hesitant to spend money on marketing their businesses and their services. So how did you know that going to the podcast movement conference, which I believe you had to fly to, and I'm assuming you had to put yourself up in a hotel and pay for a booth. How did you know that this was going to be worth it? How did you have that belief that this was going to be a powerful investment in your business? So I don't, what I think is most important is that you don't ever really know. Yeah. <laughs> and because and, I don't want people to think like, oh, well, I don't, you know, in my head, I don't know that it's going to be a great investment, so I'm not going to do it. But I, you just don't ever know. But I can tell you for a fact, like I spent, so everything like on the actual event to set up and be there and everything, that was probably right under $5,000. And then, getting everything else like the flights the hotel you know I took my brother with me who is now my official events manager because he absolutely rocked it that's awesome um um, all of that like getting the actual stuff for the booth which is definitely stuff that can be used not not that that was just a one-time expense but I probably spent close to seven, eight thousand dollars total in being there, you know, paying for the booth and everything else. But it has paid. I mean, it's already paid, been paid back, and the the connections that I made were absolutely phenomenal. And the reason I chose podcast movement is because I know there wasn't really an attorney branding themselves towards that space like there's plenty of attorneys who have podcasts and there are attorneys who are like oh I serve podcasters but they're really not putting themselves out there in the same way that I am so I knew that I could really set myself apart in that way and I I, like I said I didn't know if it would be you know a great investment but once I reached out to um you know, the head of the conference, I was like, look, I'm thinking about having this booth. I'm an attorney. And they, and they told me like, we don't have an attorney. Um, like they, we think this would be wonderful. So, I mean, they, they told me that as well, which at the same time, it could have just been a marketing tactic to get me to buy a booth, but you know, it definitely paid off. So, I mean, I, I think, and I, what I really found out from being at podcast movement is the fact that people want to see you in person. If you're not in front of somebody, then they're not going to know about you. They're not going to invest in your, in your service because they just don't know. And a lot of people, they don't know what they don't know. And I had many people come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been thinking about trademarking my podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. So, you know, it, your service may be something that people are thinking about and the fact that you're there in front of them, that's what makes them invest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you did your research, right? You didn't just kind of jump into this event blindly, but you asked the right questions and got answers that made you feel more confident in making that decision. And I just think it's such valuable insight that you shared on 
committing to sometimes go out of your way to make an appearance in person versus always being behind your screen or your phone or your computer because you really just can't replace the in-person connection when it comes to meeting new clients and making connections. So I think that's pretty awesome. Right. Okay. So as we start to kind of wrap this up, I just have a few business specific questions just for all our entrepreneurs who listen. uh, And we can treat these more as rapid fire. So just saying whatever comes to mind. Sound good? Sounds good. What is the best part of owning your own business? Flexibility, hands down. Mm, I could not agree more. Um, is yeah, there... like I can go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. This is the beauty of phone recording. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just going to say that I can, like, I have two young kids and I can go and get them out of school whenever I feel like it. Or I can, like, next week I have decided that I'm taking a mental health day and I'm just going to go kayaking all day by myself. So it's just, you get, you get to make the shot. You get to call the shot. Mm, amazing. Is there a tool or an object or a system or an app that you cannot live without in running your business? Like you need it to survive. It's definitely my Google calendar. (laughs) Mm, Good one. Um, When you feel stuck or uninspired or unmotivated, I know as entrepreneurs, we always have those days when we just don't feel like being superheroes. What do you do to shake that mood? Um, in order to shake that, I just don't work because Mm -hmm. I I totally have those days and it's just like, you can't force something to work. So I just take it. And usually it just means I'm overwhelmed and I'm overworked. So I'll just take the afternoon off, go do this, go do that. Just relax. Just don't try to overdo it because that's going to get burned out and it just makes things worse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And final rapid fire question here. Is there a business person or a business or a brand that you personally really look up to or look to for advice? Yes. So Chris and Lori Harder, they are amazing entrepreneurs. I don't know if you know who they are. I do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So they are definitely a couple that it's you know individually as business owners and as a couple that you know operate two separate businesses and businesses together like they're definitely two people that I admire as business owners Mm, yeah I'd encourage everyone to go look them up as well so Andrea this has been so valuable and I know that the listeners got a lot of great takeaways from this but if they want to learn more about you or the legalpreneur or how to connect with you could you just leave us with where to find you yeah sure definitely check me out on Instagram Andrea Sager Law one word and then andreasager.com there is a button at the top of the page that you can click to find more information about the membership amazing and then you said there was a special discount code if any of the listeners wanted to reach out right yes so yeah for the membership there is a discount code for 10% off whether you sign up monthly or annually and just use discount code visionary Amazing. And I will put that in the show notes as well. So Andrea, thank you so much for your time and I wish you all the luck and hopefully we can connect again soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app, I would be so grateful. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. If you're feeling stuck, uninspired, stagnant, bored, or confused in what your next step should be, it's time to take action. Please reach out because I'd love to connect with you. I'll catch you in the next episode.